You're listening to Catholic Faith on the Move podcast, a journey on the road to heaven. Pope Francis has declared a Jubilee Year of Mercy for 2016, so today we're all about mercy too. We'll learn about St. Faustina and her promotion of the devotion of Divine Mercy and take a pilgrimage to the epicenter of Divine Mercy in the United States. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle on us the fire of your love. I am sending you with my mercy to the people of the whole world. I do not want to punish aching mankind, but I desire to heal it, pressing it to my merciful heart. You are the secretary of my mercy. I have chosen you for the office in this and the next life to make known to souls the great mercy that I have for them and to exhort them to trust in the bottomless depth of my mercy. This is Jesus speaking to St. Faustina in her diary, 1567. So we're going to talk about St. Faustina today and learn a little bit about her life and her mission and uh, what Jesus called her to do. She was born uh, Helena Kowalski in 1905. She was the third of 10 children. Uh, she said that she had felt a calling to the religious life at age seven and asked her parents to allow her to go to a convent um, as soon as she was done with school, and they said no. Um, so a few years later, she was at, uh, age 19 in 1924. She and her sister had gone to a dance in a, in a park in town, and she had a vision of Jesus. And from there, she went to the cathedral where she felt Jesus um, was telling her to go join a convent. So she went home that night, packed a bag, left in the morning for Warsaw, didn't tell anybody. She knew no one in Warsaw and went to Mass uh, in Warsaw and asked the priest where could she join a convent at. He gave her a couple of suggestions, but they all turned her down, and uh, mostly because she had no money and no uh, way to uh, support herself into the convent. Uh, she ended up finding a mother who would take her in, um, but only if she worked for a year as a maid to earn enough money to purchase her habit. And so she did, and it just so happened that the congregation she joined were the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy. How convenient is that? <clears throat> anyway, so she uh, took her vows and um, became a uh, sister in 1929. In 1931, uh, she was in her cell in the convent, and um, Jesus appeared to her is, as the King of Divine Mercy in a white garment with the red, uh, pale red and white streams coming from his heart. Um, that we know now today as the Divine Mercy image. In the diary, uh, she says, Jesus said, Paint an image according to the pattern you see with the signature, Jesus, I trust in you. I want this image to be solemnly blessed on the first Sunday after Easter. That Sunday is to be known as the Feast of Mercy. So it uh, took a while, but that, that did finally happen. Um, and then in 1933, she went to Vilnius, and this was actually her second trip to Vilnius, um, which is now Lithuania, but at the time was in Poland. And so she was there, assigned there, and there was a new uh, priest confessor for the nuns that was there, uh, Father Sapochko. 
And she went to him for confession and told him of the visions that she'd seen of Jesus and, and all the requests that he'd made of, you know, the image and the feast of divine mercy. And so Father Sapochko listened to this. And after a time of hearing these um, confessions from Sister Faustina, um, actually had her checked out by a psychiatrist to make sure everything was all on the up and up, um, which I suppose is a good practice, prudent. Uh, anyhow, the uh, psychiatrist said she's perfectly sound of mind. Um, there's nothing to worry about. And so actually Father Sapochko became one of her, her biggest supporters and uh, really enabled her to fulfill her mission that Jesus was giving her. Um, so that was in 1933. In 1935, uh, she was uh, given the inspiration um, for the chaplet of Divine Mercy that we now know uh, today. Yes, and in this chaplet of Divine Mercy, it's set on the rosary beads, and many people are familiar with this. Uh, Matter of fact, if you refer to our first podcast, uh, there's a CD that has the chaplet on it along with the rosary that makes it very easy to learn and follow along with that you can get from the Mary foundation That's that we right. mentioned on that first episode. Yep. Yep. And, um, so there's, it's been set to music and it's a, it's a very popular devotion in, um, 1937. Uh, the, uh, the thought came to her about the, uh, the novena for divine mercy, which is something that said, uh, beginning on good Friday and ending, uh, on the feast day of divine mercy which is the first Sunday after Easter. Um, Sister Faustina had um, recurring bouts with what is believed to be tuberculosis throughout most of her life. And in 1938, uh, at age 33, she passed away. Um, One of the things that was interesting was prior to her passing away, she did predict that there would be uh, terrible war and agony in Poland. And not a year later, after she passed, uh, the Germans invaded Poland uh, during World War II. So um, a great saint and uh, a really a short life, but what she was able to accomplish with developing this mission for mercy and to bring uh, the, the mercy of Jesus to everyone and to fulfill that mission um, for God, what a blessing it has been to, uh, that she's been around uh, for us. Yes, one of the great blessings I found with... Uh chaplet is saying the chaplet for those that are dying and what the Lord said to St. Faustina when this chaplet is said by the bedside of a dying person God's anger is placated unfathomable mercy envelops that soul and I think that that's one of um, I'm actually in a divine mercy cynical where we study the Bible and the diary of St. Faustina and we find that that's one of the uh, prayers and one of the greatest requests we have from other people to pray for the sick and the dying. Yeah, it's a great devotion, too, that, um, you know, allows that that forgiveness and that mercy to come flowing from God through uh, through the image, through the devotion and the, and the prayers that go along with it um, to fill us up and give us that grace. Yes, and another one of the um, important parts of St. Faustina's mission is the hour of mercy. Uh, she was told, as, as often as you hear the clock strike three, the third hour, immerse yourself completely in my mercy, adoring and glorifying it. 
invoke its omnipotence for the whole world and particularly for poor sinners for at that moment mercy was open wide for every soul and uh one of the things that uh jesus also recommended to her is to try to do the stations of the cross at that hour but if she was not able to go to the chapel at that time to immerse herself in the station in the uh, passion of Christ. And also another one of the missions is also just spreading the divine mercy and that message. And what Jesus told her on that was souls who spread the honor of my mercy, a shield through their entire life as a tender mother, her infant in the hour of death, I will not judge for them, but be my, the merciful savior. So there's so many wonderful messages of mercy and forgiveness. And you could see why this is such a time of where in Nia is such mercy. And I know Pope Francis, he seems to be carrying the flagpole of the mercy banner Absolutely is, um, you know, the Mercy Pope and the, you know, the Jubilee year of mercy that's coming up in 2016 that he's called for. So, you know, I think it's great to understand that that God is full of mercy and, and gives us that grace. Um, what's interesting, too, is that um, Sister Faustina at the time was able to actually attend the first um, almost feast of divine mercy because in 1935, her her confessor priest, Father Sapochko, um, actually celebrated on the Sunday after Easter in 1935 uh, Mass with the image in the in the church at the Mass. So it was almost, but not quite, the Feast of Divine Mercy mm -hmm. that she got to see herself. Mm -hmm. It's so important to have that image and to um, adore that image. Also, I was reading something today um, about uh, Pope St. John Paul II and what makes him so important were the three things of simplicity, humility, and holiness. And that's very much how I would describe St. Faustina too, um, along with the um, virtue of obedience. Uh, throughout her diaries, that's the lesson that she's learning over and over again. And it's quite amazing. And I found so many of her, her quotes and... Uh, the lessons that she's learned are so wonderful to reflect upon. And if you do get the diary, one of my favorite, you, a lot of times you see the very thick red version and it's almost daunting. I know when I first uh, was drawn to reading the diary, probably about 15 years ago, it kind of sat there and I kept trying to pick it up, pick it up. And it was very hard. And reading a diary is very different. Uh, it's not like reading a story all the way through. It's kind of broken up and it, in parts it is repetitive. So uh, what I found best, the first time I actually got through it all is I've got, I got the audio version version and it's beautiful. And um, they actually have people doing the different parts of St. Faustina and uh, Jesus and, and the different uh, Father Shapochko, and it really comes alive, and it really just helped me understand it. Now going back through the diary and uh, reading it, 
really is easier to understand that way. And I really like the um, Marian Press has a nice version of the di diary, The Divine Mercy in My Soul, that's leather bound. And it's a little bit smaller, easier to carry around. And also it has, um, in the back, it has some wonderful color pictures of St. Faustina and her life and also of Pope St. John Paul II and um, him declaring um, the Sunday after Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday. So that's the version that I would recommend that people get. And something interesting, as you, as you mentioned, um, St. Pope John Paul II, um, not only did she have the, the, the vision about the war that would happen in Poland in a, in a short time after her death, but in 1937, she also had um, a vision that in her local uh, parish, the, the Divine Mercy, the Feast of Divine Mercy would be celebrated, there'd be big crowds, and that in Rome, it would also be celebrated and a pope would be present. So it was a few years later, but came true so very cool and speaking of a pope in rome celebrating this feast we'll talk a little bit about that feast of divine mercy coming up in our next segment saint faustina pray for us check out our blog and other information including links to our facebook and twitter pages at our website catholicfaithonthemove.com or send us an email at catholicfaithonthemove at gmail.com Make known to souls the great mercy that I have for them and to exhort them to trust in the bottomless depths of my mercy. The Diary of St. Faustina, 1567. Thus, the Feast of Divine Mercy. The institution of the feast was at the request of Jesus in 1931 while communicating uh, his will during the painting of the image of the Divine Mercy. Uh, the Lord spoke to St. Faustina, I desire that there be a feast of mercy. I want this image, which you will paint with a brush, to be solemnly blessed on the first Sunday after Easter. That Sunday is to be the feast of mercy. Diary 49. So at this point, it became clear that uh, she did go ahead and she, uh, with the help of Father Shapochko and her superiors was able to get the image painted and uh, continued on towards um, promoting the Feast of Divine Mercy. And what is ex what exactly is the Feast of Divine Mercy? Uh, this is a time when your sins and my sins can be taken away. And this is very important to promote now because while the Feast of Mercy is for everybody, we know that many of our brothers and sisters literally are away from the church. And, um, and then there's a lot of people that just don't know about the mercy of Jesus. So uh, we need to prepare in our hearts, in our homes, um, and to help promote this so we can get the message out to people who need this mercy so they can take part in this special feast, which is the Sunday after Easter. So April 30th, 2000, John Paul II 
announced the second Sunday of Easter as Divine Mercy Sunday. And this took place during the canonization of Sister Faustina. And Pope John Paul II said, It is important that we accept the whole message that comes to us from the Word of God on the second Sunday of Easter, which from now on throughout the church will be called Divine Mercy Sunday. And so we were given this great gift by Jesus through St. Faustina and then Pope John Paul II. And through that, we were able to gain remission of our sins. Right, through the, um, through the plenary indulgence that um, Pope John Paul II attached to the feast day. So um, he, you know, he knew it was, a, it was a big deal that we embraced the, the mercy of Jesus and learned to, to, uh, to love that and take that into our own lives. And so he, um, he attached a plenary indulgence to the feast day. So he wanted to ensure that the faithful would observe the day with intense devotion um, he established it enriched with a plenary indulgence so that the faithful might receive in great abundance the gift of the consolation of the Holy Spirit. So in order to receive the um, plenary indulgence, which is a removal of the temporal stain of all your sin, um, you, uh, the usual conditions, so you have to go to confession, you have to have communion, and you have to have prayer for the intentions of the Pope. And then on the second Sunday of Easter, or Divine Mercy Sunday, in any church or chapel, in a spirit that is completely detached from the affection for sin, even a venial sin, take part in the prayers and devotions held in honor of divine mercy, or if you're in presence of the Blessed Sacrament, exposed or reserved in a tabernacle, recite the Our Father and the Creed, adding a devout prayer to the merciful Lord Jesus. So that gets you your plenary indulgence and removes the uh, temporal stain of sin, of all sin, um, if you meet those conditions for Divine Mercy Sunday. Mm-hmm. And... Unlike just any regular plenary indulgence, uh, the Lord actually said, whoever approaches the fount of life, which is Holy Communion, on this day will be granted complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. So this is basically saying that this is almost like a second baptism. So no purgatory, no punishment, even though it sounds too good to be true that is exactly what is happening through the great mercy of our god yeah it's like the it's like a big you know nuke for uh getting rid of sins so you can see why this is so important and to spread that message today and i think this really brings hope to a lot of people and i know that this is a uh it's so important to reach out to everyone and to spread this great mercy and i know that this is probably why our Pope has called for the Jubilee in the upcoming year. With a, with a lot of the focus on mercy. Now, now keep in mind, so you get the plenary indulgence on Divine Mercy Sunday. That, mean, that means you can't sin anymore after that, right? Or you have to go through the whole process again, right? So, well, there is the mercy of God. There is the mercy of God, always an available force in the sacrament of confession. Um Anyhow, there's a, you know, so as we mentioned, this is a, this is a big deal feast. You know, the, when the, when the Pope uh, instituted it, it was obvious that um, he thought it was important for us to take advantage of. And there are a lot of parishes that do a lot of different things to, uh, to celebrate the feast. Some parishes just have mass for Divine Mercy Sunday and the readings for that day that, that are about mercy. And, and that's what they'll do. Uh, other parishes um, will have different devotions. Um, they'll have Eucharistic adoration. They may have confession. Um, they may have a holy hour. 
um, or they may have some other program with speakers and, and you know, do a whole big shebang um, in the afternoon on Divine Mercy Sunday. So um, depending on what the parishes are like, you know, you can find all kinds of different ways to uh, celebrate this, this great feast. Yeah, so check out your diocesan website and uh, find the parish in your area that is celebrating. And one of the uh, resources that we found um, that can help you if you want to uh, try to get your parish involved or if you just want to find out more about Divine Mercy and this whole concept of, of the, the mercy of Jesus through this image, um, you can go to feastofmercy.net. It's a website, uh, feastofmercy.net. Um, it's run by a guy named Tim McAndrew that uh, we know and uh, full of information about how the Divine Mercy Feast came to be, um, how different devotions uh, exist, how to incorporate different celebrations for the feast in your parish or in your life. Um, he has a, uh, a newspaper called the Divine Mercy Messenger that you can subscribe to with articles about uh, the Divine Mercy and, and different um, uh, observations of the feast. So it's a great resource. It's feastofmercy.net. Jesus, we trust in you. So we thought it appropriate to go on pilgrimage today to, I don't know, the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. Why not? Uh, it is a ministry of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and they are promoters of the message of the Divine Mercy. Now, the, the shrine is located in western Massachusetts, uh, just outside of the town of Stockbridge, almost on the border with New York. Um, and it's uh, pretty easy to find in the Berkshire Hills. And if that all sounds familiar, it's because you've heard the song Sweet Baby James by James Taylor. But that's another story for another time. Uh, in 1943, uh, Father Joseph Lenuski, who is a superior of the Marian House in Washington, um, sent a young priest uh, who is a native of Massachusetts to find a residence suitable for a novitiate or home for those preparing for the religious life. And they uh, found this place uh, called Eden Hill. And in November 24th of 1943, they purchased the land, and is, that is where they set up the uh, National Shrine, what has become the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. Now, uh, it had been the home of an early Christian missionary to the Stockbridge Indians by uh, Reverend John Sargent, uh, and is known, his home was known as the Mission House, and it's still actually in town in Stockbridge. Um, so the area has been on the forefront of religious expansion and evangelization for a long, long time in this country. Now, um, in 1950, the construction of the Shrine of the Divine Mercy uh, began. It was entrusted to an Italian, uh, Antonio Guerreri. Um, he was actually 74 years old and a resident of Stockbridge and had just completed a restoration of St. Joseph Church in Stockbridge when the Marians got a hold of him. What's interesting is, and he's a carver and a builder and everything, um, but he assembled this crew of workers, and they started working on the shrine, and it took 10 years to build, and it was done in 1960. The interesting thing, there was no plans for the shrine. It was all just in his head, and he would assign workers to build sections of it um, you know, as they were available and as he saw his vision come to fruition. So uh, pretty incredible that this place was built without, uh, without architectural design or um, 
plans um, from the architect. The uh, Divine Mercy kind of came about to be attached to this area and the, the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception um, through a priest. Uh, he was a Polish priest, Father Jarzabowski, and uh, he came to America and brought the, uh, the writings of Sister Faustina to America, and he was a Marian father, so um, he kind of uh, brought that whole concept of the Divine Mercy to the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and it kind of took root here in Stockbridge as a result of then the Shrine of Divine Mercy and what became known as the National Shrine of Divine Mercy um, was created. And we're lucky enough to have on the show today someone who has actually been on pilgrimage to Stockbridge, to the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. Sue, can you tell us about your experience? Yes, a couple summers ago, I was lucky enough to take a pilgrimage with a couple friends to the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. It was a very special experience. We actually stayed right on the site. There is uh, some guest rooms at a house. It's named after Pope John Paul II. And it's a very comfy little room. So I would say that would be my first choice if you stayed there uh, to actually stay on the site. Um, if you stay on the site, then you do get a couple little extra privileges. What I'd say, what's nice is you can actually have your meals there. There's, you know, it's a nice little guest house. And I re we really enjoyed going to uh, mass there each day. And of course, they recited the Divine Mercy Chaplet together each day. There are some uh, relics from St. Faustina, uh, St. Peregrine, and Pope John Paul II there. And also, one of the beautiful walks there is, is they have these giant bronze stations of the cross. And they're beautiful. We did that several times, walk those, especially at sunset. That's a very beautiful thing to do. And they also have a candle shrine. And that's a nice little place that we could go and meditate in the evenings. We went usually uh, ended our evening at the sh candle shrine there. And that's actually, we also got to take part in they have a Divine Mercy Cynical there, and we actually were there on the day that they met there at the Pope John Paul II house. And so that was a special experience, getting to meet those people there, there each day. And one of their special ministries is when you um, donate and give money and have them uh, pray for you, they actually are the ones that go and light all those candles. So that was one of their ministries, and we got to take part in that. Very cool. That was neat. And then, uh, so it's well worth a couple days. It's very meditative. You could spend a day. You could spend a week there. Um, I would very much suggest that as a pilgrimage. So take a couple days and do kind of a self-directed retreat. Um Maybe take a 33 days to morning glory or something like that. Retreat there too would be uh, that something would be amazing. <laughs> that would that's, be amazing. Maybe that's my idea next <laughs> this summer going there. <laughs> and I know that they did mention that um, we did go during the week. They said on the weekends it gets quite busy, but during the week uh, there it's not as busy. So if you're planning on staying do call ahead so you could stay at the Pope John Paul 
the second guest house and um, make sure it's one of those times where it's not so busy because it really was like having the shrine to ourselves. Wow, what a special time that would be just to just to be there. So be the exact opposite of what it's like on uh, Divine Mercy Sunday when there's 20,000 of your closest <laughs> friends there for the feast. Yes, <laughs> if, if you do want to experience... Um, I have the past few years watched on EWTN. They will have a whole crew there, and uh, there's thousands of pilgrims that go there for Divine Mercy Sunday. I know someday that will be on my list to do that, <laughs> uh, but I think that if you can't make it to Stockbridge for Divine Mercy Sunday, then definitely check it out or on um, EWTN. To watch that feast day celebration is fantastic. We have seen that in the past. It's, it's usually rainy and muddy, but that's all right. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's there, and it's a it's a great great crowd and a great event. For more information on the National Shrine of Divine Mercy, you can go to marion.org/shrine, and you can get all the information you need about where they're at, out where how to get reservations, and uh, what the grounds are like, and even see some pictures in a virtual tour of the. Uh, uh, walking stations of the cross that Sue mentioned with the uh, with those life-size figures. As we continue into Lent and get ready to celebrate Easter, keep in mind Divine Mercy Sunday and preparing and getting ready for that also. Um, you can, by daily saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, by um, remembering the three o'clock hour, by starting the Novena on Good Friday. And so to wrap up, we encourage you to take advantage of the great mercy that God has for us and invest yourself in the Divine Mercy devotions. So you've got the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the 3 o'clock hour. You've got the Novena and the Feast of Divine Mercy on the second Sunday of Easter. And if you can, find an image of the Divine Mercy and put that in a special place in your house so you can see it every day and venerate Jesus who gives us his love and grace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. We'll see you on the road.